Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast. I am Pastor Anaron. With me is... Hi, I'm Tom Nicholas. And... Roger Prather. And thank you for allowing us to be part of your life. We are looking at a whole series of lessons called God's Mission, My Mission. And we're picking up where we left off the last part podcast about God's mission to us. Last week, obviously, was part one. This is part two. And it's a very important concept that God is missional in his identity to start with. The idea of God sitting on an, on a throne on Neptune to be all by himself for 50 trillion years with a don't bother me sign is totally unbiblical and is totally wrong. He is a God who says, come on over. Last week we looked at John 14. He's preparing a place for us. Parable of the wedding banquet, all these parables, he's always saying, come, 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 come on over, bring, come one, come all. And, and uh, that is something that <clears throat> we really need to embrace because, you know, the image is out there that, well, you clean yourself up before you go to God. Hmm. And then, you know, once you get clean enough, then you, you got the green light. But that isn't what it says. You know, that's not what it says. It says, come as you are. If you're heavy bird, heavy, heavy laden, come, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Tom, would you pray for us as we start? Yeah, I'd love to. Dear God, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we pick up this lesson once more, this, this reality that we have opportunity to live in, that you pursue us, that you are a missional God, and you have a desire for us to be in relationship with us, but you also have a desire for us to thrive, uh, to flourish, uh, and that your, mm. your, your journey with us to that end, Father. Yeah. Help us, you know, guide us, teach us through the Holy Spirit, Father, the, 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 the truth and the nuggets of gold in this message, in this lesson study today, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So last evening I was in a meeting in this very room <clears throat> that we're recording from, and I had forgotten this story about uh, that one of the men had uh, shared, and it's really a powerful story. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story of Daryl Davis. He was a musician. I think he's he's still living, and uh, he's he's African American, and and he it sort of I think his first experience sort of happened serendipitously. And um, what he does is he intentionally builds bridges with people who are members of the KKK. And he intentionally builds relationship with them. And the first one apparently I think started accidentally where he was talking with somebody and they, he, you know, here he is, African-American, guy's talking to his KKK and they bonded over music. 
and it's you know I do believe music is probably the most powerful force in the world but what's interesting is he realized that part of the issue here is that we're not talking with each other so he made his life mission to one of his life's missions to really recruit members of the KKK get him out and I think by last count he had you know when when people you know get out of it they give him the robe and he has 200 of them wow 200 think about that for a second that's amazing isn't that amazing 200 KKK robes and uh, you know I I think that Daryl Davis's story is really so germane to what we're looking at here would have been easy for him as a, as a black guy to say, hey, I'm staying away from those KKK people. I want, why do I want more trouble in my life? Why do I want more, you know, let me play it safe. You know, uh, don't need to run away from them, but, but, you know, just keep your distance. Then he engages them and he leans into them. And um, just powerful because I think this is what God does with us and we're called to do with other people is to take that risk like Daryl did and to lean into these you know people who maybe aren't like us who don't believe like us who don't see the world like us and to engage in a conversation and and uh you know it'd be I I don't know maybe Daryl Davis has written a book about it'd be a fascinating read you know if he shared for crying out loud if he shared two one of his stories you know about his experience um but it's just interesting to think about the, the, you know, the fact that he could have said, hey, man, I'm going to just keep my head down. I'm going to mind my own business. I'm going to get through life. I'm going to make some money, call it a day. But he said, no, I'm going to do this. So this is what God does, and he calls us to do the same thing. And, and the Christian life, guys, is, is an adventure. When it gets boring and predictable, which is very easy for it to happen, we end up shortchanging ourselves and other people as well. So let's jump into John chapter 20. And um, I wrote there on my notes here to read verse 23 as well. And I, now I remember why I did that. So John chapter 20, 21, 22, 23. And uh, let's see here. Tom, can you read that for us? <coughs> John chapter 20. Yes. Verses 21 to 23. Yes, please. Says this. Let me get closer to my mic. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. There we go. I, I <clears throat> added 23 and it sort of this is just working out pretty amazingly because I told the story of Daryl Davis I mean think about the fact that if he had said I'm just going to mind my own business there would be 200 more KK members out there actively engaged in their chapters whatever they have their clubs but he decided not to do that and now there's 200 less robes out there and, and uh, um, you know, this is where I think verse 23, really, the rubber meets the road. 
if we just fold our cross our arms, say, forget about it, I'm not getting involved, people, they don't experience the forgiveness of their sins. Mm. But if we, like Daryl Davis, get involved and engaged, their eyes are open and they say, wow, my sins can be forgiven. My sins, and we, we don't really have time to talk about the definition of sin, but it is, it is so much more than breaking one of the Ten Commandments. It's about, yeah, but it's about fracturing a relationship with right. God, walking away from Him, ignoring Him. It's about having a life that's so messed up that it's so inbred and it just seems hopeless. There's so many more dimensions to that. But it's interesting that, you know, Jesus comes, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's pretty powerful. Isn't that? I mean, and and maybe (laughs) naive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know... Uh, Jesus is, is and I and of course I saying that as I'm, I'm winking in a way, sure. you know. But I mean, he's not exactly sending guys who are batting a thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, these are not star players. So why is he sending them? But they become star players. What's a star player though? Well, these were twelve ruffians from yep. Judea, with the exception of maybe Matthew. Yeah. And they completely turned Europe and the Middle East upside down. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't do that because they had their act together. That's. I think that's where I'm going with this. It wasn't finally like they. They finally passed the driver's test. And certainly not before Christ sent them. Right. They they tried 45 times (laughs) (laughs) to pass the bar, and finally they get it. I don't think it's that. I think they. it's just that they keep trying. Well, what does Jesus mean when he says, as the Father sent me, I send you? Well, what does he, he mean by he, that? That's a good question. Well, I think part of the answer, uh, I don't know. I think part of the answer is in Matthew 28. You know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And, you know, and so I think part of the beginning of that answer is in there. But what do you think... So there's that supernatural power, right? We're imbued, Mm -hmm. the church is imbued with a certain degree of supernatural power. I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also, again, we're talking about mission here. There's that missional aspect, Mm -hmm. right? In the same sense of purpose, in the same sense of mission that God sent me, the Father sent me, right? The the Father sent me to here to reclaim things that had been lost. Mm-hmm. So I'm sending you to go and reclaim things that have been lost. So yes. there's that. There's the the, the right. purpose side of it, yeah. but it does come with a certain degree of supernatural power. That's why I did the whole breathe on, breathing on them and receive the Holy Spirit. But I think it's it's uh, the predicate of sending Christ and mm. the predicate of Christ sending the church are identical. Because right. I mean, like, who in this room? has you know gone out and spit in the mud and rubbed it on somebody's eyes and given them sight you know none of us yeah maybe because we haven't fully grasped the the earthly side of things that we haven't really fully experienced that supernatural side of things and i'm not trying to like dumb it down or make it something that it it isn't but i think that we tend to you have churches out there that overemphasize the earthly side of things and they ignore the supernatural. And then you have the churches that it overemphasize the supernatural and they ignore the earthly. And and I'm not to sound like some kind of like 
compromiser, but and it's not even that the two are in the middle. There's a this perfect blending of the two, yeah. and I think we it's something we need to pay more attention to, maybe. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you think talking about when Jesus made the mud. Imagine if we could geographically, with computer technology, find the exact spot Jesus was standing when he did that. They actually just did. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not making that up. They found. They found the. Um, what is it? It's the pool at Siloam, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just found it. I just read it the other day, like three days ago, in Newsweek. Oh my! Archaeologists just concluded that they found that location where Jesus healed the blind man. It's wow. funny that you say that. That's exactly. They so just found it. So what if you it. could get that dirt and say, well, this there's something magic in this dirt, hmm. and just say, well, I'm gonna, I, you know, I fly over there. I, you know, under the cover of darkness, you know, you grab a little <laughs> bit of mine dirt. Mine some of that dirt. Get some of it, and then I sell it on eBay for how much would you pay? Because you say, well, that is the same dirt that Jesus used. It sounds and, very Roman Catholic, not to well, get like, no, exactly. be pejorative What's, about it. Something's but. wrong with this picture. Something's wrong. I mean, obviously, there's nothing magical about the actual dirt, but. What is going on here? We Jesus was, re but again, I would I would say Jesus is reek. Look at the exchange between Christ and his disciples leading up to that, right? Because right. the disciples say, like, what did who sinned that this man would be could would be blind? Right. I mean, like, this is mind blowing from a missional perspective, right? Who sinned so that this man could be blind? And Jesus says, he's not blind because of sin. Right. He's blind so that the power of God can be revealed. Now. I just give yeah. myself chills because think about this, right? Think about if the church, if we actually lived this out, as the Father sent me, so I send you, receive the Holy Spirit. What if we actually went out there and started claiming people that were lost? Mm. Not given, not feeding them lines that we learned in seminary, right? Not not opening a manual that we got at the ABC and going like, hey, brother, um, do you know what's going to happen to you after you die? You know, not none of that. Just going and saying like, maybe not with like words but just through actions i know you are lost you're wandering in the we'll go back to our our last podcast you're wandering in the wilderness right i'm going to hold up jesus so that you can know that you're in the camp right just putting yeah. your armor on that person now apply that illustration of the guy that went and talked to the kkk people right now think of all the people that we push out of the church for whatever reason what if we stop doing that yep <clears throat> so yeah. that's just kind of how I take that. And it's interesting because, um, you know, probably the most accepting subculture there is in the Western world are bars. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you pretty much walk in there, you can sit down at the counter, you'll be served. Um, I don't go to bars, so I don't know, but each one I'm guessing has their own atmosphere. And and it's it's interesting, you know. Of course, the whole television show Cheers. Everybody knows your name, <clears throat> and but the point is, is you know, really the tragedy is the church should be the one where everybody, you know, can go in. Everybody will know your name or want to know your name, and uh, there's a there's a seat for you, not at a bar. And, and you could say a pew, but um, really uh, there's a seat for you to serve. Mm -hmm. Well, what if, but, so you say you don't go into bars. Let me tell a story. I was an adventurer, and back then it was called Trailblazers, right? 
Oh, pre, le- you're talking about pre-Pathfinders? Pre-Pathfinders, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's called oh, yeah. Trailblazers. It's now Adventures. It's the same yeah. thing. Yep. Um, at the Titusville, Florida, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Hmm. And one of my Pathfinder leaders slash Sabbath school teachers slash VBS superintendents slash matriarchs of the church. Yep. I, I, Her name was Virgie Spencer, Virginia Spencer. She's passed away now many hmm. years. But there was a young girl. Her name was Lily. And I'll never forget this, right? There's this girl, young girl named Lily. And I remember I had gone back as an adult. You know, I graduated from Southern, and, and, and it was right before I had moved here. And I go back, and I was talking to her. And, you know, she's, you know, giving me all the accolades. Oh, you've grown into a such fine young man. You've found a nice Adventist girl, blah, 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 blah. But I'm talking, we're just talking about some of the kids that I remembered from Trailblazers, Adventurers, when I was a kid. And I said, you know, what about Lily? Like, because we were kind of close, you know. And she's like, well, Lily uh, developed a drug habit and Mm. became uh, an erotic dancer in a strip club. Mm. I said, oh, it's too bad, you know. But you know what Virgie Spencer did? She went to that strip club. She found out the schedule of when this girl that she brought up in the church was dancing in the nude for salacious men. And she sat there and she waited. And when she came out on stage, she said, "Um, I can't, man. She said, Lily, I'm here because Jesus sent me and he wants you back. Amen. What if we did? What if you did go to bars? What if you did? So that's kind of like where I was going with that. What if we did Mm -hmm. go to bars? Reclaiming what's lost, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. What if we got over this? You, Mm. You talked about the purity thing, right? Where you were talking with Alfonso. You know, we have this like purity culture, you know, like in order to come in right here, the memory text, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say go and make Puritans and then baptize them. Not that the Puritans were bad people, (laughs) but, you know, what if we actually took that seriously? Let's go into the deep, dark places. Let's go in the places that the church doesn't normally go. Yep. So I have to ask the question. What's the outcome of this? I, I honestly don't know. Don't I haven't know. seen her in years. Okay. Okay. But no, I just, uh, it wasn't so much the outcome of No, I know that her. she did. It. I don't know. Maybe maybe yep. maybe by the grace of God she hears this or something, yep. you know. Um, but it was the courage that that woman, you know, fine Christian woman yep. as we say in the south, you know, um, going into this place that most Christians would not be caught dead in. Yep. Just to deliver the message, and who knows what the outcome is, you know? Maybe she didn't come back to the Adventist church, but, you know, maybe she's in the Baptist church. Maybe she's somewhere else, you know? Maybe Jesus found her some other way, but just that Virgie had the courage to go into that place and yeah. say, hey, Jesus wants mm-hmm. you back. Yeah. I want you back. And sometimes that's yep. even more powerful, right? Oh, absolutely. For us to just go, like, hey, we want you back. I, we don't yep. care about any of this. This can be forgotten. Yeah. Listen, the clock continues to tick on, and, and the lesson points us to the Great Commission. And this is really important. And as I was preparing this, I, I, I don't know what it was. I just, there's things that leaped off the page I hadn't really noticed before. And I want to read 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now the, the question was, what elements of discipleship can you identify in this passage? And I, they had four, I think, but I came up with seven or more. Hmm. And I don't know why, I just never really noticed, I, I just, it just struck me. And verse 16, the 11 disciples, so right away, one thing I noticed about discipleship is that word called team. Mm -hmm. Team, you know. Here's this motley crew of 11 guys, they've lost one, and you know, soon they're gonna replace Judas, but you know, they're going together, and so you got a team. And the second thing is, and there might be more here that I'm even missing, but they, when they see Jesus, they worship him. Mm -hmm. That's something that, that Corley didn't really mention, they worship him. And then, um, what's so cool, and I'm really glad it says this, this may sound heretical of me, but, but some doubted. Imagine if said, if it said no one doubted. Hmm. You know, that to me, it's interesting that, that it mentions, but some doubted. I, I think that's important because we all doubt. So real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. And these are real people. These are real people and some doubt it. Okay, come along in, we're still a part of the team. Right. You know, let's go, let's make this happen. And and uh, Thomas and must have been in the group. Thomas was there and, <laughs> and, and I'm guessing, didn't say someone, but some, so it yeah. must be someone else. Yeah. And uh, I mean, think about it for a moment there. Think about your experience. Okay, you've been within three years, crucified, you've been resurrected. All right, this just is, this is like, this is otherworldly. He's been showing up for the last forty days here and there. Yeah, He's been exactly. and still there's this, yeah. this doubt. We're still like, yeah. what's going on here? We don't <laughs> understand everything yet. Exactly, and and so then, and then uh, Jesus comes to them, and this is where the lesson kind of kicks into gear here. Uh, but it says, "All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me." So you, I see this idea here of. Um, deputizing people and mm -hmm. <clears throat> go and make go action make disciples of all nations and teaching obviously that's clear baptizing that's clear teaching to obey everything you know we've often talked about this issue about the baptizing command comes before teaching and obeying and so what does that mean and you know we have a tradition of studying with people and I do it myself before they're baptized so they know what they're what they're doing but we do a big mistake when we stop mm -hmm. right it's okay you're baptized and so I tell people hey this is when you're baptized this is a starting point this is a launch pad you're going into something brand new here this isn't a finish line it's easy what make these you know in some churches the mentality is oh yeah I got this lesson that's got like 36 lessons mm. they will know it all and and that may work for some but today's world you get kids who their attention span is shorter than a mm -hmm. you know 
You know what I'm saying? Just short. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, you're like, and like, <laughs> they are not going to make it 36 lessons. And would, you know, where are we in our own journeys? And, and there's this, you know, well, why stop at 36? Why don't you go to 52? Mm-hmm. 100, 104. I mean, where do you stop? Right. What, what's, what's the qualifying? Point being is, you know, Jesus says the teaching uh, continues on well after we're baptized. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is that last part, I am with you. I am with you. And his presence is there. And his power is there. His power. Amen. His power. You know, in that context, we, we see him, um, the story continues on in Acts. And they pray for 10 days and they receive the Holy Spirit. But in John, he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. Yep. Yep. That Holy Spirit is his presence. It's how we are united and experience a oneness with the Father. It's how we receive guidance. It's how we receive teaching. It's how we receive power to yep. live and to yep. be disciples and to make disciples. Yep. This, this, the Great Commission reminds me how important it is to be selective. Not selective in an exclusive way, but how the people we are around do shape us. And, you know, I've been re- talking about that book, uh, Jonathan Haidt. Mm-hmm. You know, still haven't gotten through it, but my reading pile just keeps growing. It's a good but problem now. It's a good problem. <laughs> it's a good problem. But, you know, it's like we like to think we make these decisions just, you know, because we're so wise. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, we've been shaped by the society, the people around, and the assumptions they have. We adopt them, and it goes on and on and on. And so he sends them as a team. They're going as a team. And and there really are no solo, you know, Christians. That's really a misnomer. Right. And and that's especially in our individualistic society. We 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 don't quite get it. Mm. No. Well, can can I point out a couple, just two things that strike me about the way you guys just discussed this text, sure. the Great Commission. The first thing is what what were they doubting? What mm-hmm. were they doubting? Yep. So it doesn't really tell us, but it comes right after the worship, right? So yep. they worshiped, but some doubted. So what to me, I, I kind of see that as they're doubting who Jesus is. They're right. not doubting that he's alive. Right, right. Oh, this is some sort of trick, you know. No, he's like you said, he's been there for 40 days. He's been making regular appearances, right? This is the same Jesus that we saw buried in Joseph's tomb. He's here now. He's alive. Yeah. But worship. So again, this is these are these are arch monotheists, right? It, astute mm. keepers of the first three commandments. So I think I looked at it. I, I take that to mean that there were some who were like, we're not really sure that this is Yahweh, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's the Messiah, but we don't really know what that means because we've been mistaken about what that means. Is worshiping him kosher? Right, exactly. Right. That's a very good way of putting it, right? Can we worship this guy? Like, is this really mm-hmm. God? Or is he like, is he just the son of David? Right. right? Um, so there's that, that's, there's that one part of it. And you have people probably in the church right now who are just like, yeah, I'm not really sure about some of this theology, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the community. Right. And there's some people who are like, I don't really understand the community, but I love the theology. Right. And <laughs> We have to find a way to bridge that. Well, not even bridge that gap, but just not, like you said, that, that word exclusive. You know, uh, yeah. we have to find a way to be uh, selective but not exclusive. Right. 
Um, but that's one observation. And the second observation, not to beat a dead horse, but about going out there and reclaiming that which is lost when Jesus says, all authority has been granted to me in heaven and earth. And now I'm sending you. Where would we be afraid to go at that point? Mm-hmm. There's no place on the faith. The way Abraham Kuyper um, was a 19th century um, Dutch politician, newspaper editor, pastor, prime minister. And he said, there's not an inch of space on this earth that Jesus doesn't cry out, mine. Yeah. I've heard that, yep. And we ought to be, we ought to take that to heart. You know, like, we're, we're knights of the round table, and we're representatives of King Arthur, and we're supposed to be going out there, like, reclaiming the territory that's been lost, mm-hmm. right? If we really believe the great controversy, mm-hmm. right, we're in, we're in warfare, and we think spiritual warfare is just, you know, praying over whatever, and it's, yes, that's true, but it's also physically going into places and trying to physically interact with people that we otherwise might not. Yeah. In a non-judgmental way, yep. And that's really hard for us. It's hard for me. I, I, and I, I'm saying all this stuff, man. I'm the biggest hypocrite, <laughs> okay? Because that's hard for me to do. There are certain people that I don't like interacting with. There are certain lifestyles that I don't <laughs> like interacting with. But I need to just having this conversation. These are probably things that I need to learn to overcome. So by nature, it's interesting you said that, Roger. Because let's not forget the background of the twelve disciples. I mean, there was no reason for these twelve men to get together. Right. Except for the fact that Jesus called them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were opposite economically, politically, scholastically, occupationally. There was no common denominator except this one guy named Jesus, one rabbi named Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I, this is where I think, you know, the church, we need to celebrate the fact that this is the amazing part about a church, a real authentic church. The millionaire, the town millionaire, can sit next to the town uh, homeless man mm-hmm. in the same pew, and they are brothers in Christ, and may not see eye to eye. Right. Like the, the, these these twelve disciples, they didn't see eye to eye. They they didn't agree on everything. They may not have agreed on very much of anything. Yep. But Jesus was the common denominator. I appreciate that, Inner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's. Not my idea, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and I want to touch back on the story that we were just talking about, about the, 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 the blind guy who, who Jesus healed. And he said you know, it wasn't his sin. It was so that God could be glorified. You yeah. Know? And I, I, I love that because we are to go in and to, to cause people to, to flourish physically and psychologically and emotionally and socially and spiritually. You know, all of these ways that we touch humanity is just a gateway to connect them to God, mm-hmm. to deepen their relationship with God. And and when you said that, I'm just remembering that you know Pharisee means separated one, mm. and that's part of I think what really got under Jesus's skin. You know, they said we got to be separate so we'd be pure, but that's the, that concept of separateness is anti-gospel. Yeah, you know, he is saying go into the world. Go into the world. Go into the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Roll up your sleeves. I mean, in a good way, get dirty. Sure. You know, get sweaty. Deal with it. And and uh, it's interesting. The next the lesson points us to the three angels' message, Revelation 14. And again, we see this imagery here. The the gospels go into the whole world, the whole earth, not mm-hmm. just part of it, to every nation, 
every tribe you're kidding me god every language what are you crazy every <laughs> people even those caucasians and those norwegians and and uh you well, know, no, not them. No, well, no, that no, was by no. accident. That right. was an over. That was a clerical error. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't supposed to go there. But uh, uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's 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 for for a Jew. This yeah. would be pretty radical. Like, what? What's this all about? Tribe, language, and people, and and you know, fortunately, history is filled with missionaries who have spent their life learning a language, codifying it writing the script, translating the scripture in that language. You know, you, we've read the stories and, and people who have laid down their lives for this amazing commission. And, and now it behooves me to walk across, not the sea, hmm. but just a, a patch of concrete. Yeah, it's just what, how wide is a street? Uh, hmm. 24 feet wide, I don't know, 24 feet on blacktop, or sometimes not even blacktop, it's just green grass between my me and my other neighbor. And, you know, it's not like it's gonna cost me a lot to, <laughs> I don't even have to get vaccinated <laughs> to do that. I mean, you you know, you, you missionaries, when they would go, you know, they were getting tons of vaccine. They would just, you know, because they go in these countries, malaria, etc., mm -hmm. and they would get, you know, injected, and then they would go off. And I remember at one point, I knew we had some friends who were who were missionaries, and and I found that they had to get vaccinated. I'm like, maybe I don't want to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was a kid who liked shots, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, thought, boy, I don't know, but. And maybe well everything anything for the gospel, right. you know. Even I'll get the a vaccine <laughs> for the gospel. At any rate, we digress. But what what you're saying, how 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 should that uh, help maybe cause us to rethink and possibly redefine our measure of success in missional terms? Like, what does it mean to be a successful? Missionary, and I use that mm. word missionary in the broadest possible. Con Again, I'm not talking about going to Africa or the Pacific Islands or anything like that. I'm talking, like you said, I'm talking about crossing the street. How does that, how ought that to cause us to redefine our definition of success as missionaries? Well, I think part of it is just the initial posture we go into mission with. You know, so many times we go into mission with the with this initial posture of, I've, I'm coming to rescue you. Right. I'm coming to save you. Now that I'm here, you know, yep. Yep. life can finally get good for you guys. Yep. You know, and it's this very condescending kind of yep. attitude. And, and I, I go back to Genesis uh, 12 when God is sending Abraham into a foreign land. He's taken him out of the earth of the Chaldees, and he says. He says, uh, I will make you a great nation here in verse 2. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you should be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Mm -hmm. and, and this idea that, yeah, I'm sending you to be a blessing to people, but I'm also sending you to receive a blessing from people. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we need to have a mutual relationship with people, mm -hmm. not just that I'm here to, you know, have that condescending attitude. I'm, I'm here to, to, to do this great thing for you. But I'm here to live among you, mm -hmm. and my influence should be a blessing on you. My the way I live should should help you to flourish, 
And when that happens, you're going to bless me and say, wow, thank you so much for your blessing in my life, for being present in my life. Now I'm present in yours. This is mutual living together. So it's not necessarily turning the people that you are ministering to into tithe-paying church members? I don't think that's the necessarily the end goal. I think the end goal is to help them to flourish and flourish in, in a relationship with Christ. That's our ultimate goal. Yeah. You know, more. How do we measure that, though? Because traditionally we've measured it with how many, like, well, both of you guys are, are credentialed pastors. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys go for interviews. Do they ask you questions like, how many souls have you won to Christ? <laughs> Embarrassingly, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> but I think that's the wrong measure. I, I don't think it <clears throat> needs to be, I don't think it needs to be quantified. I agree. On, honestly, I think we just need to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and live authentically and in community. So can we go, let's go back to the blind guy, right? Remember the story. So Jesus heals him and he says, don't tell anybody, just go, you know, go to the priest and give the offering or whatever that's required. And then his parents are called before, he's, he and his family are called before like a, like a tribunal. Yeah. Some sort yeah. of like a ecclesiastical tribunal and they're, cause they're after Jesus. They want him yeah. in the bad way and <laughs> they're trying to gain evidence and you know, He's not. He didn't say like, "Hey, go tell people that I'm the Son of God and I'm the Messiah." No, he said, "Follow, follow the Jewish law, and just yeah. and just go about your life. Mm -hmm. Like, enjoy the gift that I've given you." And I think we don't we don't really stop to think about that. Like, why wouldn't Jesus want him to know who he is? You know. Mm -hmm. um, well, to kind of bring it into modern context, he he said, "Don't post it on social media." Ah, uh, yeah. You know, like don't brag about it. Keep yep. it anonymous. Keep it quiet. This is personal. It's intimate. It's between you and me. It's your relationship with God. It, mm. It's not public. Don't let your let don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mm -hmm. Keep it. Stay humble and keep mm -hmm. it private. You know. And we're challenged in the social media world where the whole where everybody lives their whole life and every ministry lives their whole life on social media. Yeah. You know. So we're. I think. I think we're challenged in that. Don't go and tell anybody. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know. Yet at the same time, too, <clears throat> we have the Great Commission, right? So how I think part of it is, you know, there are some things. There's the secret things of our hearts that we maybe are so personal that we do. It's reserved for only special moments to share. Then there's other parts that we what we are compelled not because there's a you know knife in our back but because there's something in our heart right. that says hey somebody's got to know this this is right. just too amazing and it's interesting when you look at the three angels message you know it's easy to say oh well that's easy it's the angels the angels are doing it <laughs> but it's the greek word is messenger so we are the messengers right. and and yeah i think too to be fair i think there is <sighs> Witnessing is an art. Mm. It's an art. It's not a science. Not a simple, right. you know, mathematical equation. There's something about it that you say, okay, I, I, I have something I can share. I have something I can share. How many, how many Christians are there in the world? So how, how many Seventh Day Adventists are there right now? That's probably an easier the last question. Twenty. Twenty-one million. All right. So there's 20. twenty-one million different ways. 
to Correct. share the gospel. Correct. At least. Correct. And if you broaden that to Orthodox Christianity in general, not just oh, yeah. our denomination, yeah. that's how many ways there are to share the gospel. Because the way that I'm going to talk about Jesus is going to, like you said, it's going to be very personal to me. Right. 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 And I'm not a, I'm not a like Bible thumper. I thought, you know, there I, just like, I think most people who grow up in the church, you go through a time in your life where you think like that's what it means to be a good witness. You know, you got to run around and like tap on the Bible and be like, "Hey, brother, um, I know you went and had a couple shots of whiskey last night after work, and you know, let's <laughs> yeah. talk." You know that like we right. thought that, mm -hmm. but really, like like what I've learned being in, I work in a very secular environment, mm. and I never really understood how secular the world was because I had lived in these Adventist bubbles for so mm -hmm. long until I started working where I work, I never realized how secular the world was, how relatively mm. unknown what Christianity is all about, even for people that grow up in the church. Right. And so for me, my way of witnessing is just try to live a Christ-like life in general, right? I'm not, I don't run around like a holy roller or anything like that. I just, I wear my religion on my sleeve, but I don't beat people over the head with it. And I just try to be who Jesus, I think Jesus wants me to be. And that makes me so different from most of the people that I'm around that the people who really want to know will come and say, what, what makes you different? And then all the other people that I just try to treat in a Christ-like manner, and I don't ask anything in return, like if they never become Christians, I've still done my duty mm -hmm. to some extent. That's kind of like how I feel about it. Now, that's me. But you might be different. You might use your lines from the seminary, and no, they no. might be very successful. <laughs> yeah, or more unsuccessful. Because that's the method of witnessing well, that God's called you to. Gifts, though. Yeah, exactly. Here is the question, though: At what point do you say, "Hey, my neighbor, you've known me for let's make up a number, thirty-five years," and you know, I hope, you know. How do you make the actual question to go into a person's life and say, hey, what do you believe? I mean, I think this is where we've kind of over uh, made this over rigid. I think we need to have conversations. And I think we make it too uh, heavy. We could just say, mm -hmm. hey. And, and actually, uh, one of our members, Wes Garvin, is going to talk about this at some point. You know, you ever wonder what's going to happen when you die? Mm -hmm. You know, or you ever think about how we got all this? Mm -hmm. So that there's a way, I think, that we need to somehow just bring it in, and if they shut it down, they shut it down. You know, you don't have to push the matter, but you may say, oh, you know, like, how did this all come to be? You know, look at, you know, when fall's coming here, look at these amazing colors, you know. You ever wonder how it started? And they may say, oh, definitely evolution. And I don't believe those Christians for one moment, you know, that God created this world. Well, then you kind of know, all mm -hmm. right, you know, have to take a different approach. And, and um, you know, where did, where did love come from? Where did belief come from? Where did faith come? You know, different approach. Uh, but... You know, at some point, I, I, I wrestle with this, you know, it, because you can keep talking about the Red Sox till you're, at the, till you're six feet under and the weather. The Red Sox, the Patriots, the weather. <laughs> and then one day, either you or the other person is six feet under. And 
you know, at some point we really have to say, let's go a little deeper. Yeah. You know, let's go a little deeper. Depends on context, though, doesn't it? Like, you're going to approach that topic with different people in different well, ways. Definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah. You, you, you know, you, you have I mean, every every encounter recorded by every encounter of Jesus recorded in Scripture is contextualized. Right. He, he comes to the woman at the well and he speaks in a very specific yeah, context that's exactly. meaningful to her. And, you know, he, he's, he's referring to the, the guy we we're just talking about here. You know, it, it, it was a segue. Into, yeah. some, into spiritual conversations, every every opportunity he has, he to, to to use whatever that context is, he uses it as a segue into a spiritual conversation. So it's not just a wasted conversation, you know. And and so I, I I also wrestle with this idea of okay, so broach the subject, use the context, create a a segue, open the the, the conversation about Jesus, about the gospel, about the, about the kingdom. Yep. But when he sent his disciples out, he said, if they don't receive it, move on. Go to someone who's yep. going to receive it. You know, so I have a friend. Yep. Beautiful friend. And he is, he's got this personality, this winsome personality uh, that uh, he has this winsome personality that can just win anybody over yep. to, you know, he, he can talk to anybody and he's a, you know, he he's he, he can he he looks at himself as a as a neighborhood missionary, mm. always handing out glow tracks, talking to everybody about everything, doing Bible studies all the time with his friends and neighbors in his community, and th- this beautiful, I, I think, kind of a light way mm-hmm. of approaching people. I have a very heavy way, <laughs> mm. very mm-hmm. heavy framework, and I I'm not good at segueing into. I can't do it lightly, and so I think we all have different ways, and part of that mm. may just be my brokenness. You know the way the way how I'm cracked makes it difficult for me to have that segue. But that doesn't mean I can't learn it, that I can't become better at that. But but my friend, he's just so natural at it. But that but you also go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's interesting. Put it like that. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people sort of have a charisma about them, and it just flows. Some are reserved. There's all different personality styles, and that's something we need to embrace here. And you look at the disciples, and they were all different people. Look at Peter, and then you have Bartholomew. <laughs> Why? We never hear about Bartholomew. He wasn't he, a street preacher. He wasn't a street preacher, <laughs> and, and but he, you know, he was part of the team. Right. And and Peter's out there, and and so that's something that's going to be fascinating to really kind of look at the personality dynamics. But uh, that's. Yeah. And who's to say that you're, how did you put it? Like, how did you describe your, your, your approach? Heavy? Yeah, my, my, my mental framework is very heavy. Yeah, or so, like a serious approach. Yeah, yeah but yeah. who's to say that that's... And I'm not diplomatic. Yeah, but God made you that way for a purpose, and you might be able to reach someone that I... Because I'm, I'm that guy that will just sit there. Maybe I have to talk to the guy for 35 years about mm-hmm. the Red Sox, whatever, you know. Um, and then he knows my religion and maybe we've had some conversations and mm-hmm. then you try to like find the right way, you know, try to have the charisma or whatever. I'm not that heavy like, hey, do you know what's going to happen to you at the mm-hmm. end of it all? Like, I don't really talk to people like that. You know, yeah. I'm more like, uh, I don't know, weave, weave your religion into everyday things. And but who's you're going to reach somebody that I can't. And I might be able to reach somebody that you can't. Sure. And so you probably travel in different social circles outside of church-related stuff than I do. Same thing for the pastor. We're all given these different 
abilities and temperaments for a reason. I mean, look, Jesus called people forget like Simon was a zealot, which means he wanted to like wage literal war on the Romans. Yep. Right. And then he also called like Matthew, who, <laughs> who was a collaborator with the Romans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and he put him in the same room and said like, hey. I'm going to give you guys get the along. same set of instructions and get along. Yep. But do you really think that after Jesus was gone, that Matthew and Simon went about missionary work in the same way? I doubt it. No. You right. know what I mean? Just like Paul. Paul gets called, and he goes from holding the coats of people who are stoning Stephen to church planter. Yeah. And people were like flabbergasted. How is this possible? Well, because... That's just the way God's operating. You know, mm -hmm. there's 8 billion people on the earth. You know, that's eight. Again, same kind of idea. There's 8 billion different ways mm -hmm. that people are going to go about this yeah. stuff. And we need to be, that's a challenge I think we have to overcome too. If we're talking about mission, because if this was a church board meeting and there were 12 <laughs> of us in the room, you'd have 12 different people being like, this is how we got to do mission. Yep. You know, that's right. Yep. You're absolutely right. All 12 of you. Yeah, exactly. So let's. So, Every one of you with your ideas, that? and that, that's the next time, sir, that's what you have to do. You have to be like, oh, this is great. So there's 12 different mission opportunities for our church because each one of you is going to head up your best, what you think is best, right? <laughs> and, here's, and here's your budget. Go make it happen. Oh, yeah. Report back to us. Yeah, our budget. <laughs> Actually, it's even more than 12 because, you know, we all have... We relate to different people differently. Oh, that's a good point, you too. You know? Mm -hmm. So the way you relate to your your colleagues or your neighbor is very different, probably. Oh, I put on the best face I can for you guys. Oh, really? You got more. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work, work harder. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, it's it's uh, uh, you have a different rapport. Yeah, with each person. With each yeah, person, absolutely. each relationship's yep. unique. But that's what I mean. It like is. maybe I have to talk about the Red Sox for thirty-five years before I bring up this hard subject. Somebody else, it might be like it might be day one. They might be just like, "Hey, man, tell me about Jesus." Like I've had that. I I knew a guy two times. The second time I met him. Right. Like, this is another work colleague. Second time I met the guy, we're working together. First time, like we worked together and then didn't really talk. But like I've been around a long time. People kind of know who I am. And then I don't mean that in like an arrogant sense, like they, it's just my character, who the type of person I am. A couple months go by, I'm working with him again. He's like, hey, you're you're kind of religious. Right. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty important part of my life. And I, I remember the question he asked me, he said, can God really forgive anything? Mm. Mm. It was like his son died on the cross to make sure he could. Yeah. And bam, now you're having that conversation. You know what I mean? Somebody yeah. else wouldn't go that way. So, right. you know, right. you never know. And I think what's interesting is he felt safe to ask that question. Mm -hmm. After two times. And there right. might be people who have talked to me hundreds of times who are like, I'm not talking to that guy. Right. You know what I mean? For whatever reason. Right. You know, and that's not judgment on no, my no, no, part no. against them or anything like that. It's just No. But right. you might you might meet them and they'd be like, Oh, that ain't our guy, you know, like he's a real good listener and I'm gonna unload on him. Yeah. You know, and you might be able to connect with someone that I can't. Even your heavy however else you want to describe it, that yeah, might be know. the that that might be the way to get to people. So I don't think we should beat ourselves up. I don't think you should necessarily want to be the charismatic guy. Right. Either. Yeah, you know I'm just mean? terribly awkward and, and you know, oh, uncomfortable well, you in a room. Obviously. And, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, what, what I've experienced sometimes, sometimes, and, you know, the more I live in the spirit, I think the more I, I see these opportunities coming up. But 
what I what I see sometimes is how like somebody will will make will like lock eyes with me from across the room. Mm. We'll be in a meeting. Yep. We'll be talking. Yep. There'll be people in the room, and all of a sudden they're, they're looking at me. I'm getting uncomfortable. Like, why is that person looking at me? Why are they you know Why are they connecting with me? I, this is uncomfortable. And when I when I process that, what I'm realizing and the events that unfold after that are the Holy Spirit in them is connecting with the Holy Spirit in me, drawing us together because there is a divine moment that needs to happen there, a divine mm-hmm. appointment that needs to happen. And if I pursue it, whether I pursue it or not, he makes something come about. And now that I'm recognizing that this is not just a weird, awkward social moment, that this is a divine moment, I can, I'm now free to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it could it be, doesn't happen all the time, or, though. Or it could be you have broccoli in your teeth it and you're thinking, <laughs> how do I tell him? I told you, very socially <laughs> awkward. <yeah. laughs> but no, seriously, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, persona we have is kind of important. Mm-hmm. Is are we approachable? Can we laugh at ourselves? Are we humble? And I think that really plays into this pretty well. So, um, so that's going back to the theology of of God in the sense that well, He didn't stay on a th- on a throne up in heaven. And says, "Okay, everybody, I'm your Lord. Now uh, worship me." You know, and where He's there, the mountaintop in glory, we can't even see Him. And and what does He do? Instead, He becomes one of us. So th- does that mean maybe? we should stop taking ourselves so seriously definitely yeah definitely i mean he 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 mixed and mingled with people to the point where he developed a bad reputation for being like them yeah he didn't take himself so seriously he's like i'm gonna go hang out where people are at and if that's where the party you know if they're at the party i'm gonna go hang out with them at the party and if i get the reputation of being a party goer that's okay because that means i'm with people right i'm where people are at and thought occurred to me for those who are listening it is better to attempt to witness and make a mistake mm-hmm. than to not even run the risk yeah. of of making a mistake mm-hmm. and not witnessing you're better off putting your foot in your mouth than <laughs> uh and then having them firmly planted on the ground in without moving forward let's not be people of fear but of right. faith yeah. exactly what, what, one of my friends he in uh, describing evangelism, he talks about um, how w- w- when we build friendships, these friendships need to be redemptive friendships. And so, uh, one of the the people who was new to his church and he was you know discipling came very excitedly up to him and said, "Pastor, Pastor, we hear what you're saying about building redemptive friendships." And you know they, they were just coming out of the world and into the church, and they were just coming out of the bar scene and into the church. And but they said, "But." In order to build these redemptive friendships, we, we have a, we have some friends who who we take to the bar every every weekend and spend time with them at the bar. And the pastor's like, I'm not sure you understand the concept of redemptive friendship. So we need to be calling people out of the world. We need to go where people are at, but at the same time, we don't need to be engaging in the harmful activities that those people are engaging in. You know, so or I can, maybe, I can maybe drink maybe, Sprite at the bar. Yeah, yeah, maybe you can go to the bar. And, and hang out. But these people weren't just going to the bar and hanging out. They were taking part of that lifestyle, looking for the segue to bring them out. And I think that is a mistake that the church is making in broad, broad areas where it's like it's okay to be just like the world in order mm-hmm. to save the world. Right. And that's definitely, I don't think you can support that with no. scripture. No. 
It, 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 perhaps Jesus went to the party, but didn't participate in that because he called people out from the world. Mm-hmm. You know. But and, again, I see that, your wheels turning, wi- Roger. Yeah, well, that witness, right? Go to yeah. the party and be a little bit different. Yeah. And people are going to be like, who's this weirdo? You know what I mean? And people are going to ask, and maybe somebody will come and ask, and they'll say, well, I, I like being in the party. I like being around you guys, but I'm not going to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not going to engage in whatever this yeah. this behavior is because, you know, I have these convictions, and that's what it is. But I'm happy to hang out with you guys, mm-hmm. and that might be the door. I, I don't know. It just it changes from circumstance so to circumstance. We better wrap, wrap up it. But uh, it's interesting because suppose you have these friends of, let's say you have three friends, and once a week you go to the bar with them, but you're drinking Sprite, you're drinking other things, and every night you go home, you're consistently the designated driver. They've all had too mm-hmm. much, and they say, hey, Tom, can you drive us home? You know, with a slur on their on their speech, you drive them home. You know, it, I don't know where this will go long term, but it may be one day they'll say, you know, maybe Tom's, has figured something out here. We're going to this bar every Friday night or Saturday night. We're getting stones, costing us a fortune. We wake up with a headache. Yet Tom is chipper in the morning, and he's you know ready to take on the day. And maybe they'll have that epiphany. Sure. You know, and and uh, you know we never know. We never know. And I don't know. You know that I'm painting this ideal outcome. Sure. You know, it's a little bit. Uh, uh, scripted, you could say, but you know, you, we don't know, and and I think this is where again that attitude of the Pharisees can come in, where you know it's like, how come I'm going to be apart from you guys because you're just doing this? Granted, there's a point there. Maybe you'd say after the fifth time, guys, this ain't my scene, you know, and and uh, you know, and and somehow back out. You have to pray about that, mm-hmm. you know. But I do see we are way too separate right now yes you know we have we we travel in comfortable circles where our friends are pretty much believe what we believe you know i know you guys pretty well getting to know you it's I, this is pretty so cool getting to know you guys and it's like i know you're neither of you getting drunk tonight you know, no, but I know. we're all, we're all going to go to the bar after and evangelize, right? Oh, there we go. Okay, <laughs> which one? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll pick on some poor dude at the at the at the bar. You'd be on one side of the other. Yeah, that and, would be a great one. We could go up and be like, "Hey, we got something to say to you." Yeah, <laughs> like surround him. Like, right. Jesus loves you, man. <laughs> you know, and, and then just whispering his ear, what, what, Jesus loves you. What, what, Jesus loves you. One behind him, one on the, right. either side. And like, then we're each using our free phone call to call our wives. <laughs> <laughs> just like Paul, I'm being in prison for the gospel. <laughs> there you go. No. <laughs> well, you know, here's Israel. They were called into the world to be a blessing to the world. <laughs> Jokesters here. <laughs> Israel called into the world to be a blessing to the surrounding communities. They came to see themselves as a remnant. They came to see themselves as special, built walls around them to right. protect themselves from the influence of the world. And as Adventists, we can be this in the same boat. We can say we're a yeah. remnant people. We need to protect ourselves and isolate ourselves and because we want to be perfected before Christ comes and you know, or whatever the the, the narrative there is. And we can become as entrenched in Godless, God, in, in godless, godliness, as the Israelites were. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean can be? That. 
I, I mean, like I would make the diagnosis when I went to Southern. We used to tell the joke, right? Guy, guy goes to heaven, and Saint Peter says, "Like, here's your guardian angel. He's going to give you a tour of heaven." And he's giving him the tour of heaven. He's like, "Oh, well, over there, you know, we divide it up by uh, by religion." Oh yeah. So yeah. over there, you got the Roman Catholics, and over there, you got the Southern Baptists, and over there, you got the Presbyterians, and they keep going, and then they get to this really high wall, mm-hmm. and it's as high as you can imagine. And the guy goes, "Who who's in there?" And the guardian angel says, "Shh, it's the Seventh Day Adventists. They think they're the only ones here." <laughs> we used to tell that joke yeah, at Southern yeah. because we yeah. do kind of. I mean, that was really a big part of our culture for, I don't know, 75 years or so. And and I phrase it like that because it needs to be very individualistic. Rather than being an institutional question, it needs to be an individual question. You know, asking yourself, am I isolating? And so the fact that that joke has floated around Adventism for decades is in and of itself the story. Yeah. That, you know, we're like, okay, we're... We're kind of having this self-realization moment that, okay, maybe we were off track. Now the question is, okay, now we've all heard the joke, I agree. What's the take-home? Is the take-home, how do we say, and we're going to get into it, we have a whole quarter of this, guys. You know, why do we go to the effort to say, you know, invite people to accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and then say, hey, did you know that this Saturday is the Sabbath? Did you know that when you die, you don't go to heaven or to hell? Did you know that it's, not, it's good not to eat these certain things? Did you know? This goes on and on. And so why do we do that? And that's we're going to get into that in the coming podcasts. But that's really, I think that's sort of, because we look at what it's witnessing. And, and uh, uh, it's interesting. i got to wrap up with this one little story. So one of the churches I served, there was a man who was one of the one of the leaders of the church, local church. He was in the building doing something. I don't know if it was maintenance work, and and uh, this guy walks in, just off the street, and he sits down in one of the pews. No harm, no nothing wrong. He's sitting there, and um, you know this guy starts talking to him, the member of the church, and. For what a reason he feels compelled to basically outline all of our 28 fundamental beliefs. This total stranger. And uh, the man, after a while, just leaves. And we never, he never saw him again. And I'm, I, when he told me that story, I'm, I gotta admit, I'm like, maybe I'm judging. And I'm like, maybe the guy just wanted to talk to God. And and he just needed he he was needed a place to just to hang out. Nobody would bother him. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did need to, to know the twenty eight fundamental beliefs. I don't know. But it was just like, it's really uh, you know it was an interesting moment when I he told me that story. And I've thought about it many times. Well, what was the right thing to do? And and uh, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe I'm looking at it correctly. I don't know. Wasn't there, but. I know the person who was doing it, and I, and I, you know, I believe his heart was in the right place, but I think probably he was more on the performance-based, mm-hmm. you know, spectrum of of uh, religion. And and but anyway, my point is, is you know, where do you bring in these other teachings, you know? And that's 
That's we'll a tough question to answer. It is. It is. But we got to get into it. And we right, let's dig in. This is lesson number two out of what are we? The twelve or thirteen? And that's true. So we do have we're a lot gonna, of time. But Billy Graham. Billy Graham. I just want to point that Billy Graham, one, probably the most successful twentieth-century evangelist in history. You know, well, mm-hmm. probably the most successful evangelist in modern times. Yep. Um, he used to hold these huge evangelistic series yep. in football stadiums, and he invited local pastors from every. Yep. Orthodox denomination. Obviously, obviously, he's not inviting like Universalists and Unitarians, mm-hmm. but you know, Baptists, Presbyterians, and I believe there were some Seventh Day Adventists that would definitely. participate. And they would just have them stationed, and they said, "Hey, yep. look, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior today, their pastors posted right. around the stadium. You go and find one; they'll pray with you, and you can find a church home." And he never said you got to be the same denomination as me. He just wanted you to know Jesus. Yeah. And I think we have a real problem with that. So, what if you share Jesus with somebody, and they come to you two weeks later, and they're like, "Hey, man, I joined the uh, Methodist church down the street, you know, and the pastor he preaches these fire sermons." Mm-hmm. And are you going to be like? Oh well, you still believe that you go right to heaven after you die, man. That's we can't have that. No, you're going to be like praise God. You should be. I this is my opinion, but yep. you should be like praise God. You, you found a church home that's preaching the gospel so to you. That's what we want to get into because I think we we really need to say, okay, what's the big deal? Yeah. To me, to know when you die, you don't go to heaven or to hell right away. That's kind of what we need to deal with and say, is it worthy of saying, of saying, okay, one day I, I hope I can share that with this person, but that's not the time, obviously. You know, the Methodists, they have this erroneous belief that, you know, you need to set them straight for. But, but anyway, we got to get into that later We're all going to find out eventually anyway. We will. We will. <laughs> and I don't think that's not one of the test questions at the pearly no. gates. It's not. Peter is not there asking. So listen, let's pray, guys. Let's pray. It's been a good lesson. And if you're listening to our podcast and you're like, I don't think I'm going to do this, listen, hang in there. Hang in there. We're, we've got lesson number three, God's call to mission and sharing God's mission. And number four, and there's a lot of different things we'll be talking about. Ooh, lesson number five, excuses to avoid mission. So I think we're all good at making excuses. Tune in for that one. Tune in for that yeah. one. And motivation and preparation for mission, lesson mm. number six. So the, the mission challenge this Thursday for this Thursday's lesson is to pray for your community. That's I think good. that's something that we can all do. Mm. Last week it was uh, learn the name of someone you don't know already and pray for them. This week it's pray for your community. So that's something we can all do. Painless. You don't, No yeah. excuses for that one. Roger on that note, would you pray for us? Yes, I will. Father in heaven, I thank you once again, as always, for the privilege and the opportunity to freely and openly discuss your word. We live in a time and a place where we have the freedom and the liberty to proclaim your gospel. And I praise your name for giving us the tools to be able to do that, hopefully efficiently, uh, with this technology. Mm -hmm. And I pray, Lord, that it will be a blessing, that you'll use this freedom, that we know that this freedom isn't going to last forever, that someday it's going to it's going to go away because there are forces, there are principalities and powers that don't want this message to go out into the world. So I pray, Lord, this will be a blessing. I thank you for my partners in this podcast, mm. a blessing on each one of us, blessing on those listening. And I ask all of these things in Jesus name. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, listener, for allowing us to be part of your life. We hope this has been a blessing. Hope we can catch us on the next podcast. Thank you to Megan Jones for making all this possible, working behind the scenes, editing and producing this. And we thank our good Lord for his grace. 
and may we share that grace wherever we go, whenever we can. May God be with you. If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath School class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath School and 1115 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.